Chapter 4 of The Key to the Riddle, A Story of Huguenot Days by Margaret S. Comrie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 The Tryst in the Forest In the shadowy glades of the forest there was a great silence. True, there was to be heard the sleepy twitter of the birds, the low hum of insect life, the quiet dropping of a withered leaf upon the mossy ground, but these subdued sounds seemed but to intensify rather than to break the stillness. Upon all around it would appear there had fallen the hush of the Sabbath afternoon. Even the distant murmur of a rippling stream fell upon the ear like a mere dream of music, while the stately trees, entering into the spirit of the hour, bent their proud heads in majestic acknowledgment of the greeting of the autumn wind, and held counsel with each other in whispers. Under the wide-spreading branches of a great chestnut sat Azarol Montu. In an attitude of utter listlessness, her dark eyes gazing moodily in front of her, she waited immovable as a statue. The minutes passed, but at last her listening ears caught the sound of coming footsteps, and springing to her feet she stood expectant. A few moments more and her face lighted up at sight of her brother, who, pushing the brushwood aside, made his way to her through a thicket of saplings and undergrowth. "'Leon, Leon!' she cried, holding out both her hands. "'I feared something had hindered you, and that you were not coming to the tryst to-day.' "'If Michel Roussier had his way, vraiment something should always hinder. His ingenuity in that line is little short of genius.' Apparently, Azarol had not heard. She did not ask what the delay had been. Stranger still, she failed to notice the shadow on her brother's brow. Wearily, she sat down again, and drawing him down beside her, let her head fall on his shoulder with a long sigh, half of contentment, half of pain. For a few minutes there was silence. Leon roused himself at length. "'Sherry, are things no better at Castelbrianza?' "'Worse, I think,' returned the girl, in her tone a bitterness which had crept into it of late. I begin to think Madame must needs have grown to hate me. At least there are times, to-day, for instance, when she acts as if she did. I could bear it better, I think, were she but angry. Anger would blow over and the fire would clear the air. But her tone of cold displeasure chills me through and through. During all these long months I have done my best to please her, but in vain. And now—this was said defiantly—and now I mean to try no longer. But surely, sister mine, there is still the one bright bit—the little Monsieur Christophe. The girl's hard face softened instantly, and for the moment she looked like the old Azarol. "'Yes, there is the petit. He loves me, and I love him. Were it not for him, I think that I should die. But—her face darkened again—but even Christophe brings trouble. Madame is so unwise with him, the one moment overindulgent, the next cold, almost harsh, especially when others are by. This changeableness without doubt must alienate the boy from her. Moreover, it makes him fractious and difficult to manage.' I cannot help thinking that, if Christophe de Beauregard had been Madame's own instead of her adopted child, love would have made the poor little fellow a joy rather than a care. As it is, she makes no secret that he is a burden she would gladly be rid of. Jacqueline, Madame's maid, has told me that Monsieur Christophe's father—his mother is dead—is a French lord, some great man to whom Madame's husband was once under some obligation. She dared not offend him by refusing to keep the boy. Poor little man! Neither his father nor anyone else seems to care much about him. It is a good thing he has you to love him, Azarol. It may be good for him, but like everything else at Castelbrianza, for me it turns out ill instead of well," she returned in her former moody tone. Madame is like Aesop's dog in the manger. She does not want the child for herself, yet she grudges him to me. There, surely, little sister, you must needs be mistaken. Nay, then, but I am not," she asserted positively. At times, when she glides softly into the room where Christophe and I are happy together, oh, Léon, her look frightens me!" "'Strange,' murmured Léon. 
for she must be glad that you take him off her hands. Without doubt she is. He gets on so fast with his lessons and is always good with me. The servants say that both in health and in spirits he is a different child since the coming of Mademoiselle. Yet never a word of thanks does Madame give me, only coldness and silence. I believe in her secret heart she hates me, and—and—well, I suppose I am a coward, but I confess she makes me afraid of her." Silently the lad put his arm round his sister and drew her close. "'And yet, Léon—' the girl lifted her face and spoke passionately. "'And yet the strange thing is that I could love her. Yes, I could love Madame if she would but let me. There is that about her which draws me to her in a way I cannot understand. I feel it even at the very times when she is most cold and distant. Ah, me, how could I ever dream that she would permit me to love her? I am but a poor heretic barbette. The only thing left for me is to learn to hate her as she hates me." Again a silence fell upon the two. Léon's arm was still round Azarol. She did not see his face, and if she had, so absorbed was she in the thought of her own wretchedness, that she would probably have supposed that the cloud that hung so darkly on his brow had been brought there only by the story of her wrongs. After a little pause she went on again, and now there was the sound of tears in her voice. I think I could bear it all better if only we had news. Oh, why does not Jules return as he promised? Is he afraid to come back and tell us that they are—they are—' She broke down now, and with a pitiful cry of, "'Mother! Mother!' sobbed helplessly, her face buried in her hands. "'Mother! Father!' The words awoke the gnawing hunger in the lad's aching heart, but he turned resolutely from his own pain to soothe Azarel's. "'Sherry, indeed we cannot tell. All may be well with them. Jules must have been prevented returning.' But he will come yet, and things will brighten at Castelbrianza. Courage, sister mine!" Azarel dried her eyes. She very rarely broke down as she had done to-day. "'No,' she said, in her tone the quietness of despair. "'No, I am afraid things will ere long be even harder for me. I have not told you all. By the spring, Madame's son, Monsieur de Rohan, is expected at the castle. Monsieur Gaston is a captain in the French army. He is quite young, but from hints Blaise and Jacqueline let fall, it is evident he is proud and masterful to the last degree. In Madame his mother's opinion, without doubt, Monsieur the Captain is a piece of perfection. Nevertheless, Léon, a strange fancy has taken possession of me that she rather dreads his coming. But, after all, my concern is the trouble there may be in store for me. It is not likely that a Vaudois barbette will find much favor with this haughty French officer. He cannot fail to be a red-hot papist, trained as he has been under a master like Louis the Fourteenth of France. Azarel, has it ever struck you that Madame Eloise herself is not a particularly devoted daughter of Holy Mother Church?" She nodded. "'And that is in everything else she puzzles me. True, she is ever markedly civil to Prior Yugon Marenko when he comes, and I suppose he manages to extract a good deal of money out of her, but I feel sure they mutually mistrust each other." "'Does Madame know that you tell Monsieur Christophe Bible stories?' "'Oh, yes. Even had I thought it right to conceal it from her, Christophe would have betrayed it. She has never interfered. At times, even, she remains in the room on Sundays when we have our Bible talk. I dare say she does not hear a word, for she sits with her back turned to us, and all the time she is reading a French romance." "'Is she reading?' asked Léon meditatively. "'Oh, I suppose so,' Azarel returned indifferently. "'But soon this will all be changed. I warrant Monsieur de Rohan will teach his mother fast enough to be more strict in her religion. Oh, Léon, I thought my life was hard enough already. Why must it become harder still? Everything looks dark. Behind us and before us all is darkness. Why was it that our father was brought from Dauphine to the Valmartino? Why were the cruel soldiers allowed to come to Ponifrau that dreadful night? Why did God take our parents and little Stella from us? Why does not Jules come with tidings? Why are we condemned, you and I, to drag out five long, miserable years of our lives here in exile?" 
Why, indeed, echoed Léon, with a sudden bitterness that was all the fiercer because of the restraint he had hitherto put upon his own feelings for his sister's sake. Why, indeed, it is all a riddle. Our whole lives are a riddle. Will they be so to the end, I wonder? Our lives a riddle? Azarol started. Where, when, had she heard those words before? Slowly there rose up before her a picture. Ah, how vivid it was! The peaceful valley, the sunlit garden, the quaint old presbyter, her mother's face, and then there fell on her ears the low, sweet voice, so tender, so moved, yet so calmly trustful. Now we see in a riddle, but then face to face. Meanwhile we can wait and trust, for it is our Father God who has the key. Involuntarily she repeated the words aloud, her voice sounding to herself like one in a dream. Léon's answer was a short laugh, a laugh without the ring of mirth in it. The sound roused Azrael. And now, looking hastily up, she saw for the first time the cloud on her brother's brow, and a vague fear that something was wrong filled her with sudden dismay. Why had he laughed so scornfully? Could it be that Léon, her brave, noble Léon, was losing his faith in the Vaudois god? Azrael recoiled from the thought, but it pursued her, and upon its heels came another. Could it be that her own faith was shaken? She buried her face in her hands, shivering as if from cold. Her faith! What then did it mean, this thing she called her faith? The minutes passed, and Azrael neither spoke nor moved. That question which the voice within had asked kept sounding in her ears, and pressed for an answer. The faith she had once called hers, it was, half mechanically, as if repeating the formal words of a catechism, she murmured slowly, I believe in the God of the Vaudois. I believe in God the Father, whose love is infinite and can make no mistake. I believe in Jesus Christ the Saviour, who is able to save to the uttermost from sin and sorrow. I believe in the Holy Ghost the Comforter, who is ever with us, our guide in times of perplexity, our strength in seasons of weakness, our very present help in time of need. Yes, that was her faith. That at least it had been six months ago. Was it the same now? During the past weeks how had she been witnessing for the faith at Castelbrianza? How had she been proving to lay on the steadfastness of her faith? He had asked her to sing a vaudois psalm that afternoon. She had said she could not sing the Lord's songs in a strange land. Was this, then, her faith? Impatient at her continued silence, Léon would have spoken, but struck by something in her attitude, he checked himself. A smile, half bitter, half envious, was on his lips. Then she, at least, had not lost faith in prayer. And he? Was he drifting from the old anchorage of childlike trust into the sea of unbelief and unrest? But the shadows were lengthening in the forest. Léon saw this and grew uneasy. A movement on his part roused Azarol. Turning swiftly, she flung her arms around his neck. "'Léon, Léon, how wicked I have been! How faithless toward God in my heart and life! How selfish! Too self-absorbed even to remember that your life is harder far than mine!' Léon interrupted her. "'Nay, little sister, be just to yourself. At Malino there is much, very much, to be thankful for. Monsieur Broussel, if at times a little hasty, is as a rule kindness itself. And gentle Madame Justine, in spite of her orthodox terror lest tender-heartedness to a heretic is a sin against the church, cannot help being motherly, dear little woman. Were it not for Michel, life would be almost too easy for me at Malinot. And all things considered, it is but natural he should resent a despised barbet being put into the very position of trust and responsibility which he, the adopted son of the house, had without doubt hoped one day to occupy himself. It may be that in time his anger toward the Vaudois interloper will cool, and we shall get on together. He spoke with forced cheerfulness, for he was resolved not to add to his sister's already heavy burden of care. But she was too quick for him. "'Léon, you are hiding something from me. I can read it in your face. 
Ah, do not punish me too sternly. I know I deserve it, but spare me. Not understanding, he was silent, and she went on passionately. We made a paction, you remember it, that we should help each other by unburdening ourselves to one another when we met at our weekly tryst. But I see it now. I have been of late so cruelly self-engrossed that I have ceased to be of any comfort to you. Brother, is it too late for me to make amends? I think it would break my heart if that were so. He saw he must needs yield to her desire, and truth to tell he was nothing loath, for the secret trouble that weighed upon him would be lightened if shared with her. "'Sherry, were it not that I trust you absolutely, I should not dare tell out, even to you, what is as yet but a mere suspicion in my mind. Listen, then. You know Michel is a frequenter of the taverns where he is a hard drinker. Some little time ago I found out he plays, and that for high stakes, often losing heavily. You know, too, for I have told you, that with regard to business matters Monsieur Broussel is careless and ignorant as a child. Soon after coming to Malinois I began to suspect, now I am sure of it, that the proceeds of the market sales do not all remain intact in Monsieur Broussel's coffers. I have only too good reason to suspect Michel, but as I have nothing definite wherewith to prove my suspicions, I am helpless. The worst is that Michel, who has the ear of his aunt, will probably find it easy enough, if the deficiencies are exposed, to have the guilt laid at the door of the heretic stranger. There is a look of threatening defiance in his eyes which bodes no good to me unless I keep silent. And how can I continue to do so and be faithful to my trust? As a reward, why are such things allowed, after all these months of honorable service, that it should end in my father's son being branded as a thief? The lad's face flushed hotly, and the bitter smile again curled his lips. Did I not say truly that our lives are a hopeless riddle? A little timidly, Azarel laid her hand upon his arm. Could she expect that he would listen to her with patience if she spoke to him of the Vaudois faith and hope, the old happy creed which she herself had so sadly failed of late? At least she would try. Léon, do you remember the sermon our father preached just before—before—the end at Ponifra? His text was, Now we see in a riddle, but then face to face. My children, he said, and I can see now the smile with which he said it. My children, methinks the unraveling of the riddle oftentimes begins for us down here. For a moment God puts into our trembling hands the key to life's mystery. But, my brethren, remember this. If we would read the riddle of our lives, let us take heed that neither the joys nor the sorrows of earth blind us for the eye of our faith. Leon, I have been blind, but now, thank God, I see. I see one like to the Son of Man walking with me in the furnace. And he is with you also, brother, walking methinks the closer, knowing as he does that for Leon Montu today the furnace is being heated seven times. Once more hope sprang up in Leon's heart. Sherry, Sherry, if you come Sabbath by Sabbath to our trysting place with a face brightened as yours is now, you will give me courage and make a man of me even yet, he said, speaking playfully to cover deeper feeling. She shook her head. Nay, it is I who come to you for courage, she returned. I was wont to think myself courageous. In the old happy days at Ponifra I told myself that for the truth's sake I, Azarol Montu, could be faithful unto death. How little I knew myself! Already I have been found wanting. Dare I say I have been true to our watchword, looks lucid and tenebrous, when at the first blast of the storm I allowed my light to go out in darkness? The self-reproach in her voice found an echo in Leon's heart. Rising hastily, he paced up and down the greensward. Mayhap it is no excuse, he said at length, but it is hard for us to be strong in the faith without any of our old religious privileges to aid us in the struggle. We have not even a Bible. Our Sabbaths are brightened only because, thanks to the indulgence of those we serve, we are allowed to spend the afternoons together. A bright thought came to Azarel. 
Leia, why should we not hold a little service at our tryst here in the forest, you and I alone? We know great portions of the scriptures by heart, and we could sing and pray, and in this lonely wood we need fear no discovery. Oh, what a help it would be! Why did we not think of this ere now? The eager light in her eyes was reflected in Leon's, but only for a moment. Sherry, you forget that soon we shall not be able to hold our tryst in the woods. The weather even now is hardly fit for you in the open. Azarel was about to reply, but with a shake of the head he anticipated her. I know what you would say, but, sister mine, it cannot be. Neither at the farm nor at Castel Brianza dare we attempt such a thing. There are too many prying eyes and ears about, and we might bring Madame de Rohan and Monsieur Broussel into trouble. As it is, I believe no notice is taken of us heretics merely because the Bishop of Saluzzo is an old man with but a lukewarm zeal for persecution, and kind Father Matthew of Brianza has the soft heart of a child, while the prior of Lucerna will find it convenient to forget our existence only so long as we are discreet enough not to attract his attention. Methinks he is too worldly wise to molest us without provocation, seeing that our patrons are among the richest as well as the most powerful supporters of the church in all the plain of Piedmont. As a rule, if grave, was not yet without hope. I feel assured that it is according to the will of God that we should worship him when we meet together on his own day. Perchance it is but part of the riddle that our way seems for the moment to be barred, and if we but ask him, will he not give us faith to believe that in his own good time and way he will unravel it for us? She asked a little wistfully as she rose and tied on her bonnet which she had tossed aside. It may be so, Shuri, assented Leon with a surprising heartiness. He drew his sister's cloak more tightly about her keeping his face the while out of sight, lest it should betray him. For a sudden idea had come to him. If feasible, then this particular part of their riddle was already solved. But it was cruel, he told himself, to raise what might prove to be false hopes, so for the present he kept his own counsel. When they had emerged from the wood, Azarel turned into the path leading towards Malino. Madame Justine was so poorly last week, I should like to ask for her before returning to the castle. But Léon restrained her. Nay, Cherie, we are already later than our wont. It will be dusk ere you reach home. Moreover, Michel is at the farm this afternoon. I do not care to risk your meeting him and being exposed to his rudeness." Azarel laughed a little unsteadily. "'Monsieur Roussier is ever politeness itself to me,' she said. "'But truth to tell,' she added under her breath, "'I had as lief have rudeness if I had my choice.' At the same time, however, she retraced her steps and, taking Léon's arm, set off at a rapid pace in the opposite direction. "'Michel Roussier is polite to you.' repeated Léon in a tone of mingled surprise and relief. "'I am right glad of that.' The girl made no response. What a color the keen November wind had given her, thought her brother, as he looked at her with admiring fondness. Simple Léon. End of chapter 4